Hello again, everyone. Today is the second part of the Lockdown Canadians X Scouting Drafting Seminar Information, <laughs> whatever we want to call that. We have so much coming up. We're going to talk late first round picks. We're going to talk sleepers, high risk picks, and everything else all inside today's show. For Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Hello, everyone. It is episode 623 of Locked on Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen. If you are listening to this to wherever you get your podcast, if you are watching us, hello, YouTube. We love you. Please smash that subscribe button. Thousand subscribers. <laughs> and Laura and I eat or drink something disgusting because apparently that's what our brand is now. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matland. As always, I am joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, people know you. People love you. You are the best. I have to intro our guests because we have so much to get to again today. We are once again joined by Will Scouch of Scouching on YouTube at Scouching on Twitter. Will, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm going to jump right into my first question here. The Habs pick late in round one and real at the beginning of round two. Who is on your radar towards the end of that round? I know in the previous episode you said there are guys in the late first round that could go top 10 yep. and vice versa. I, I know I'm asking for a wide range of guys here. Um if you were the Montreal Canadiens and that Calgary pick comes up at 25, who should they be looking at um, right now needing help on defense, maybe a scoring winger, maybe another center? Yep. I know that narrows it down so much to everyone. It's about 80% draft. of players, yeah. They need a guy who plays they hockey. They need a guy, yeah, a human, be- a human being who plays hockey. Uh, yeah, I mean, the the, the, the it'll be very interesting because – Last every year, it ha- it so happens where, oh, there's this there's no way that player X will be available here. Like last year, to me, that was Logan Stankoven and Atu Ranti. Like that, I was sitting there going, there's no way that these guys will be available like 29. If you're a Stanley Cup contending team, there's no way. And they, those guys go mid second round, and they both had great years. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, the first name that jumps to my mind because I feel like he could slip to that range is Brad Lambert. And if you can get Shane Wright and Brad Lambert in the same draft, uh, with one with a first round with a first overall pick and one with like the twenty whatever pick, even if Brad Lambert doesn't really hit the ceiling, I think he's got. That's a that's a great swing to take in that range. Um, I'm trying to think of other names that realistically could be available there. Uh, Seamus Casey is another really interesting one that I think will be available there. I think a lot of people look at his size and skating ability and kind of question a lot about him, but. To me, I feel like you send him to Michigan for three years and see where he goes. And I feel like at the end of the day, he could be a really impressive offensive defenseman. Something that the Habs have kind of dipped their toe into over the years, but I don't think they've really found that A-plus level guy. And they, even if they do have a good one, guys like Norlinder, they just shove him in the NHL and see what happens <laughs> and then give your 10-game your tryout and call it a day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, to, be, to, to be serious... Um, I, I like guys like Noah Ostland as well. They're, the, the guys that always are available in that range where I would be really interested in picking them are small but fast, skilled, intense players, whether they're forwards or defensemen. 
And those guys are always, always, always undervalued. And Noah Oslin is a guy who I also feel like will be available in that range, and I would absolutely jump at the chance to land him. Um, I doubt Yuri Kulik is there, but if Yuri Kulik is a guy who's available, again, he's he's a guy who's a nice, flexible forward. You can play him at center. You can play him at the wing. He scored a ton of goals at the under-18, but he's a great goal scorer as well as a really dependable 200-foot player. And I feel like he'll be as good as he is strong. Like, the older he gets, the stronger he gets, the better he'll be. And and I get the feeling that that's a pretty straightforward curve in terms of, of projection, as long as he's able to sort of put that strength on and, and, and train well. And that's kind of also, in a way, up to the Habs. Um, so I don't know. There's going to be a lot of guys that I'm really interested in that might be available there. Like Isaac Howard might just be a fun, skilled winger NCAA guy that, that Kent Hughes goes, okay, like, let's see how he goes. You know, there, he might be a guy that scores a ton in the AHL and might have trouble projecting in the NHL that way. But I mean, at 25, it's worth taking the risk because I think his upside is, is pretty massive. Um, but if you want to play it safe, I think there's going to be options that might settle in as more of a bottom of your lineup kind of guy or a second or third pair defenseman. Um, so it all depends on how much, how, how hard you want to swing. Um, but the good thing for the Habs is they've got other picks to play with that, that can also be, be managed. But, um, I mean, my, 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 my optimal target at that pick in the late twenties would probably be Brad Lambert based on the fact that I've heard he might slip really far in the draft. And I'm still thinking that a lot of his issues aren't his problem entirely, at least. I love that you said that the Canadians haven't done all that well with the offensive defensemen. There's something that, that I find that Canadians have done, and I, I don't know if you agree or not, in the last little while, is that the, their drafting philosophy has been like, get a guy who could make the NHL, right? There's a lot of safe picks involved in that. And I personally, given how many picks they have in the next two drafts, and, and how young this team is and is going to be for years, I want them to swing for the fences. I mm-hmm. want them to, you know, I want that look, that that look where like, what are these people thinking? And then high risk, high reward type players. And I know that mm-hmm. that's not always feasible, but I do feel like they have a little bit of room, right? But would you say that that's something that they should probably do a little bit later than the picks that we're talking about late 20s, early 30s? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, it depends on who's available and it depends on, you know, like if, if the draft goes the way that my ranking has, which it never does, it, it won't. But a guy like Owen Pickering would be on the board, Sam Renzel, Denton Matejchuk, Jagger Furcus. And like if any of those guys are Montreal Canadiens, I'm happy. Um, to your point about the way they've drafted, I, what I've noticed about the Habs is that in a way, yeah, they are drafting guys that like look like NHL players. But I get the feeling that you can, they're one of these teams that over the years, especially with defense, like you can just tell the types of players they want to get, or at least under Mark Bergevin and and Trevor Timmons, like they go for big rangy physical defensemen and the rest they think will just work itself out, right? Like make the first pass, focus on defense, don't get too involved in offensive play, you know, unless you're like Shea Weber and you can just crank shots from the blue line all night. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's it's very reserved, but in a way that kind of works. But I think that kind of play like, limits your offensive output. Like I've looked a lot for over the last few years, like a big reason why there's this offensive explosion and why I think Montreal has kind of struggled to, to sort of keep up with the offensive explosion in the league is because there's a lot more activation from defensemen in the league. Like defensemen are scoring more than they have in a really long time. 
And they're doing that because they're a little more creative. They're getting more involved in offensive play. They're having forwards cover for them. And so they can step up in the offensive zone and make plays and stuff. Not everybody, but that seems to be a more a trend that everybody's sort of following. And I feel like Montreal has sort of held back on that. And they've sort of gone, well, we drafted Matthias Norlinder and he's kind of struggling a little, but we have like Jaden Struble and Jordan Harris and Kane Gooley and all these other guys where it's like, Alex Romanov, like we'll plug them into the NHL and we won't have to worry and they'll just get the job done. They'll be effective and, and they can skate, but they're big and they're physical and they'll get the job done. It's like, okay, but you know, everyone else is kind of having defensemen who often don't need to play as much defense because they're good with the puck and they keep possession and they have these sort of modern traits, um, which guys like Struble kind of have, but not necessarily as much as others. So I think, Yeah, I think it is kind of a direction that they might need to go a little bit more of. I mean, I think for a little while they were taking some big swings in the draft on on these sort of undersized sort of skill guys, but then peppering them in with these sort of lower ceiling, sort of bigger physical guys and trying to mash them together, I guess. Um, So I am hoping for some big swings from them. And and maybe some of these guys you might be able to, like guys like Noah Osland, you could probably snag with Montreal's second round pick a couple of picks later. Sure. I, that's perfectly acceptable. Um, I just really like him. That's all. Uh, so th- <laughs> there's, there's other guys though, that, you know, in that range, like perfectly acceptable, you know, pretty straightforward to see as, as NHL players, or at least as interesting NHL prospects. Um, but I'm always, I'm always stunned at who is avail- available way later than they should. Uh, sometimes for good reason, sometimes not for good reason, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. And so with that, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit here Uh, with the draft. There's always the high risk, the high reward guy there. And then there's also the high risk guy that uh, sometimes it doesn't work out. We're going to, we're going to pick Will's brain a little bit here and figure out who those people are in this draft, at least in his uh, expert opinion. But first folks, I love brownies and, but you know what I love more? I love brownie batter. It's, it's chocolatey. It's delicious. You get to eat it right out of the bowl and not feel guilty about it. And you know what else is great? We love Built Bar on this podcast. And right now, Built Bar has the brownie batter Built Puffs. They are protein-infused marshmallows that taste like you're eating brownies. 100% real chocolate covered, 17 grams of protein, only 140 calories. They are the ideal snack. If you need something in the morning on your way to work, you need that pick-me-up midday you're on a workout, you're on a hike like I go in the summer and in the fall, they are perfect for that. And they will have you completely forgetting you are eating a protein bar. It's real life, folks. You got to give it a shot. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. So please go check out, you know, the new brownie batter puffs at built.com. And remember, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, so... I, I don't want to, you know, say mean things about children playing hockey. But at the same time, not every draft pick is going to pay off. As a Montreal Canadiens fan, I am very well aware of that. And every year, I am not a draft expert. I know that, you know, I get to talk with various people and they have their own opinions on who's going to be that guy that, you know, is going to go in the first round and it's just not going to live up to that, uh, that, that hype that comes along with that. Not even talking like first overall top five, just in general. And I got to ask, Will, who are some of those players on your high risk list that if it pays off, 
you look like a genius, but the chance of that not really hitting uh, is higher than, uh, you know, someone else who might be a lower ceiling, safer pick. Sure. So it, yeah, we're, it, it all depends on sort of where we're talking about in the draft, right? Like I look at a player, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of hockey this year, just to be absolutely sure that I know, I believe what I think about these guys. And I, I've had some scouts and stuff tell me that guys like a guy like Ryan Chesley is like a top 15 pick. And I've watched him a lot and I don't, I don't see that like whatsoever. I, I don't know. I, I, he's, he's got some flashes of skill, you know, he's, he's, he plays the style of play that I can absolutely see hockey people liking where it's very calm and reserved and held back and physical, but not too physical and like very sort of understated. But I don't know. I, I, whenever the puck's on his stick, I feel like things just fall apart more often than they don't. And I, I don't know. I've heard a lot of people talking about him as like a top 15 pick, whereas I'm going, okay, if you want to do that, go nuts, but I'll wait until the second or third round draft some defensemen that, don't play in North America that I think bring a lot more value right away. Um, and, and I'm laughing. Uh, other, other guys that come to mind, like there's a couple of NTDP guys, like everyone's talking about Rucker McGordy right now because he had such a massive under 18 scoring a ton of goals. I think that's a guy who, you know, his skating needs to come a step and then needs to come a step after that. And he's a great shooter. I think he's a great one touch passer, but I get the feeling that at the NHL level at NHL pace, he's going to really, have trouble scoring. And I don't think he has a floor of like a bottom six checking forward. I just don't think he sort of brings that. Um, but if he's a guy that you get at 35, 36 overall, then it's not so bad. But if it's, you know, I, I've seen him on lists as high as like 17 or 18 and I'm going, well, I don't think I would do that. Um, thinking about where Montreal used to pick their guys from a guy like Nathan Gaucher comes to mind too. He's a big center that plays for uh, Quebec, I believe. And, uh, you know, had a decent year with 57 points in 66 games. But whenever I've watched him play, it's so obvious to me that, you know, NHL teams are just going to be salivating over him. He's huge. He can really move uh, in a straight line, pretty much. That, but that's about <laughs> it. Uh, he's a wrecking ball, but, you know, an underrated playmaker. Like, he, he causes turnovers in the offensive zone and, and can make a play, you know, pretty quickly, which is neat but there's a lot of diversity to the game that he kind of just doesn't really have but as a bottom six guy where you throw him over the boards and you know he's just going to be a wrecking ball out there and like maybe some chip passes that get and get somehow managed to, to find their way in the back of the net maybe that could be a thing too um i mean but there are guys that are definitely in my opinion just huge risks because i really like them and no one else seems to like guys like Leb Trikazov, you know, uh, Laura, you mentioned him uh, about uh, him, his name flying around in the locked on back end a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and I, I don't know, the church of Gleb is strong, but it's, it's, it's to the point where I'm, I'm like questioning it myself. Like, am I really hyping this kid up too much? But I don't know. I just, I just put, to, I just put, finished the video on him that, that got sent out to patrons. And um, so they have access to it now. And it's, I still look back at the video that I pulled and all the data that I have and I'm going, yeah, like this guy at least belongs in the first round in some way. So there's a guy where I go, okay, if you can get him in the second round, you know, maybe Edmonton doesn't make it through this round and they, that second round pick sticks in this year. I feel like you could pick up Trikizov as long as you know that there's a chance of him coming over from Russia and getting out of there. Cause if there isn't a chance of that happening, then that changes the equation a whole lot. Um, but I mean, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys that I feel like I just, 
have preferred over a lot of these guys that I've seen rank really deep in the first round. Um, guys that you would think, again, a lot of North American sort of bruisers and physical guys where I'm going, yeah, I'd rather aim a little bit higher and, and take a chance on some of these other guys. And especially for Montreal, like they've got like four, four third round picks and three fourth round picks. And like, and I feel like if you play your cards right, like Laura, you said, like if you swing big, you might be able to nail it on one or two of them. And if that's, if that's what happens, then you've had a really, 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 really good day, regardless of what misses you might have. It, it, it is interesting is that like you talk about these guys that are a risk in that it's not that they're bad players. They are very good at certain aspects of their game, but like I said, they lack a diversity to that. Like McGordy is, mm-hmm. or, and I'm mispronouncing that name a little bit here. I got to watch the under 18s. I have a TV in my department at work that was showing the under 18s. Every time I looked up, he was scoring another goal, but I, right. it's, you have to add to that. Yes, this is where they are. They're a project more than a finished, you know, ready to go. Here is a projectable timeline that they have work to do still. It doesn't mean they won't come good. You just have to put in that extra effort if I'm understanding this correctly. Yeah, basically. It's it, it, like, again, the players that I have ranked on my list, like all these guys I have ranked, like it's not like I'm sitting here going, I don't know how anyone could like this player whatsoever. I think there's only one player that is like that this year relative to what the market seems to think on him. Um, but the rest of the picture, I, I go, yeah, like if Rucker McGordy's like the third guy you draft, that's fine. But I, I hear a lot of chatter about him going top 20 and I'm going, okay, like the, the boots are a problem. And he needs a lot of other help to sort of help him along. Uh, but the finishing talent is certainly there. But also, he's a volume shooter and shoots from non-scoring areas a lot. And at the junior level, especially in the USHL and, and against junior competition at the U18s, like that can work. But not in the NHL. That very rare, you very rarely do you come across NHL scorers that can shoot from pretty much anywhere at five on five, and and make it count. Um, so yeah, again, it's not about bad and good. It's just about value and like where you're drafting these players and like, what are you getting? What are you leaving on the board? Uh, Cause that really can make a huge difference. And sometimes playing it safe is not as safe as you think, especially outside the first round, like outside the first round, you may as well just take a swing and just go big and, and draft someone who might need some work. Um, but doesn't, you know, doesn't have a ton of real flaws and plays a way that you think can really do some damage in the NHL. It's just a matter of maybe getting stronger and playing against some better competition over the next couple of years. And we do have one more segment where we get to pick Will's brain just a little bit more to get our fill of draft content for this week. We're going to talk sleepers. We're going to talk some of those maybe hidden gems here, and that's all coming up in our final segment. However, I got to talk to you about betonline.net. They are the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. If you go to betonline.net right now, you're going to get the latest odds, news, and sports development for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, the NHL playoffs, golf, UFC, boxing, whatever you need. And they have everything you need, including live betting throughout the playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website. That's betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action Bet online where the game starts. All right. So we have one final segment here where we get to pick the expertise of Will Scouch at Scouching on Twitter, Scouching on YouTube. We talked about some of those high risk pieces, and we know that you love Gleb Trikazov, as you mentioned in the previous segment, as we talked about before the show, because the Church of Gleb 
has one hell of a congregation in that. <laughs> Who else kind of falls into your sleeper category? Maybe some of those names that are I literally kind of being slept on a little bit, whether it be just injury like an Ivan Miroshinachenko, who is obviously recovering from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Is he going to fall because of his diagnosis and someone's going to get incredible value on a player like that? Or there's some other names that are on your board that uh, maybe others are not talking about as much as maybe they should be. Yeah, that is going to be a fascinating one. I went back and watched because a lot of people were kind of poo-pooing him a little bit before he came down with his diagnosis and sort of took a step away. And I mean, he, he certainly didn't look like as effective a player as I remember from last year. And I'm sure that having lymphoma would factor into that, especially with fatigue and, and all those things. Um, but I, I, I came away pretty impressed the last time I watched him play before, and this was only a couple of weeks before he, he left. Um, so I get the feeling if he's a guy that some team, you know, he gets a clean bill of health, he's in remission, um, you know, he's feeling good and you give him a couple of years to sort of reboot and you have sort of a development plan that, you, you know, the big wild card is what's going on in Russia and like how that'll affect hockey players and everything. So if you kind of have a clear picture of what that's going to look like as clear as it can be then that might change things a little bit. But I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of guys this year that, you know, as shots in the dark, you, you might be able to find some good stuff out there. Like I, I came away watching uh, a lot of people are talking more about Adam Sikora now, um, who's a teammate of Simon Nemec. Uh, but it seems like the cat's out of the bag on that one. He would have been a big secret that a lot of people had been missing, but I, he's a top 40 guy to me. Uh, and you might be able to get him, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, something like that. Uh, but I don't think that might be true anymore since he's been at the World Championships and, and playing pretty well from what I've heard. Um, I really, the guys I also really like seem to be undersized defensemen. Like those are the guys that I think drop like a stone or go completely undrafted just because they're 5'9", 5'10". You know, Tyler Duke plays on the US NTDP team. I thought he played really well at the World Junior or at the under-18s. Um, you know, not the, not the, not the safest pick, but a huge swing in the dark. I love the skill. I love his shot. Um, one of the best shot attempt differentials on the team consistently throughout the entire year, which for a small guy, not not too uh, not too shabby. Um, but I, I, again, really, really interesting total shots in the dark. Guys like Kenta Isogai. He's a Japanese winger or a Japanese center who plays for Youngstown uh, in the USHL. And I've been watching him for two years. Um, the guy's like 140 pounds soaking wet, but I feel like he's gotten a lot better over the course of the year, uh, in terms of getting confident on his feet. He attacks the net, like he weighs 200 pounds and, you know, he's 5'11". He's not the smallest guy in the world, really fast, really skilled. Um, and, and just a guy who I felt got a lot better over the course of the year, didn't have the best supporting cast around him, not ranked on NHL central scouting. Like you could probably land him in the sixth or seventh round. And if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out, but I love his speed and skill love the tenacity he's got he's got he's he's a remarkable defensive player as well just a center who constantly back checks constantly hounds guys and i love that about him um i've just come across uh after watching him at the under 18th with the czech team adam Boris, who plays for uh pelicans which is a i mean brad lambert's team in finland so their junior team um and i think he was about a point per game for the czech team this year uh really fast and skilled again um you know, really, really interesting offensive tools, especially in transition. I still need to take a deeper look at him. So I'm not advertising him as like a first round pick or anything, but 
just a guy who I've come across recently who you might be able to get, again, really, really, really late in the draft. And as a swing, especially with Montreal having 47 picks this year, <laughs> you know, you may as well take a chance on some of these guys. There's there's a lot of them. I mean, uh, I'm just scanning through my list right now. Um, Devin Kaplan, if you want to go with someone big, like he's a 6'2 winger, plays for the NTDP. Uh, I don't think he gets the attention he deserves. Really skilled for a big guy. Hasn't put it all together. Like, definitely hasn't put it all together, but... You know he's he's a bit clunky with his hands, but when it works, he's got some highlight real stuff in his in his in his season so far this year. So I think if you just sort of Laura, like you said, like swing big, think creative, like think fast, think skilled, think think guys that can push pace. Like that seems to be the biggest thing in the NHL. Like get get defenses on their heels, and I feel like if you can draft guys that do that at 17, 18 years old, and just keep nurturing that and keep them working hard and keep them getting to that high pace of play that you want to see, the more success you're going to have with those guys in the NHL, because they won't have to get to the NHL and go, Oh my God, everything is so fast and I can't keep up and I'm getting crushed all the time, which I think is a tough lesson to learn on the fly. Um, whereas if they're kind of already hardwired into that style of play, then you're, then you're looking a lot better. And there's, I think there's a lot of guys this year that, that fit that bill. I have a very subjective question for you because size is such a big thing. And so one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast, you kind of alluded to it as well, uh, is that the Canadians are lacking that game breaking uh, defenseman. Like, like what we would say is like the number one offensive defenseman, right? Can play really well defensively, but starts the rush, contributes to the offense, anchors the offense, sometimes or quarterbacks it, all (laughs) of that kind of stuff. So the Canadians are missing that. It literally does not exist. And if you want to be a good winning team, you need to be one of those teams that has a guy like that, right? Do you think that smaller guys, because they fall, they fall a lot, do you think that it's possible for a smaller guy to be like that? Because to be honest, the more that I look at it, the more that I think that like that's where you're going to find that because there's such a limit in the number of people where you can look at them at this stage of their career and be like, this guy is going to be the next number one defenseman of a winning mm-hmm. team. Absolutely. I mean, I definitely think the, the way I kind of look at the game in general is like everything's on a spectrum. Like it's there's no there's no real black and white in hockey. Like uh, I, I look at, you know, uh, people in analytics, I think, always kind of laugh at people who say, well, it's not like baseball. You know, baseball, it's pitch by pitch. You can do real detailed analytics pitch by pitch. And it's very easy to sort of equalize things, whereas hockey, much noisier, much more complicated, much more uncertain. And I think that there is a certain amount of truth in that. And I feel like what you're all you're trying to do is find the guys where the good stuff they do individually outweighs the bad stuff that they do individually. And I think a lot of people, especially with players that are undersized, they get really hung up on the things that they don't do super well. They go, oh, well, it didn't work like here, here and here. So therefore, we'll just play the 6'4 guy and, and they just won't make those mistakes or they'll clear front of the net better. Whereas, you know, I, I don't know if there's anyone specifically that sort of fits that bill, but guys come out of the woodwork always later on in the draft than, than you would think. Like I look at Lane Hudson as a great example of that. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that I think plays huge defensive, a huge defensive role in an NHL team. Like, I don't think he's going to be a top pair 200 foot guy, but I don't know any other defenseman this year who is as dynamic and creative and, and just so much fun to watch, like shaking guys off at the blue line, stepping up the blue line, being creative, taking shots himself. Um, really, really impressive all kinds of stuff, but he's five, eight, five, nine. And that might scare NHL teams and it probably will. But for me, I sort of go, well, like, let's give it a go. Like how, how bad could it be? Especially if this guy has this much talent and it works against his own cohort now, 
you know, give them three years to develop in college, take your time. You don't need to rush these guys um, and, and see where things end up. And I, I get the feeling that, you know, you can be rewarded for sort of trying this sort of other alternative strategy. Um, I, I look at size and say, well, being big has its costs and its benefits. Being small has its costs and its benefits. And I think, I think people lean really heavily in the big side of things and go, yeah, but they're at least they're big. You know, they have, they have downsides, but at least they're big. It's like, well, yeah, but what happens when a five foot nine defenseman, you know, goes through the legs of a six foot eight defenseman who can't skate, you know, like it's, it's like, it depends on the situation and what's going on, but it really all just comes down to what is the player doing that's beneficial and where are they not beneficial? And can you live with that? And I feel like with a lot of undersized defensemen, like I look at a guy like Yuri Tihacek, who I had, who I have ranked as my best re-entry. And I know no one else has him even on their radar. He's a 5'9 defenseman playing in the Czech Republic. He played pro, like top-level pro hockey there the first time this year. And last year, he was one of the most defensively involved players I've tracked. Like, you know, one in every three defensive transitions, he was right there getting his sticks in lanes, trying to clog things up, and did really well doing it most of the time. Um, And then when the puck was on his stick, he could just turn play around, get pucks moving offensively, and... His passing wasn't great, but the but the skating was, and and the 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 shot and everything was really impressive, and he did, had a pretty good year, all things considered. But I don't expect him, and that's against pro competition in the Czech Republic. But I don't I don't expect him to get a ton of attention because he's five nine, and you know, not what people expect as a good defensive player, and he's not scoring a point per game. So people go, well, if he's not super offensive and getting results, then what is he doing? So I don't know. You you kind of have to try i guess is what i'm saying like with these players like i feel like it just needs to be really given the college try as opposed to just sort of giving them you know letting them go in the kiddie pool and saying well you know we don't want to take the water wings off and throw them in the pool so it's not worth put giving the water wings to them and throwing them in the pool and seeing what happens you know it's it's it, it will see what happens but uh definitely think that there's some value there to be extracted in that in that world and we could talk for hours and days on end about all of how you analyze prospects and what you're seeing and what, you know, the Canadians should be looking for. But however, we do have to wrap up. Unfortunately, this has been extremely eye-opening, extremely educating. I cannot wait for everyone to listen to this Uh, before I do our outro. Like I normally do. uh, Will, can you plug where they can find you on social media and any other uh, places they can find your work? For sure. Uh, So, uh, I mean, I'm happy to come back whenever you like. Just give me a call. You know, we'll be, we'll hang out. We we'll will. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> got lots of time. Who needs, who needs, uh, who needs, uh, yeah, I got days. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Scouching. Same thing, YouTube at Scouching. Uh, YouTube's pretty active these days. We do weekly live streams every Thursday night, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can also follow my work, all my written reports. Uh, all my reports end up written on McKean's Hockey as well as my own website. Uh, so you can follow that stuff there if you're a subscriber. Um, you can also sign up on Patreon. You'll get access to those written reports, early access to videos, data sheets, uh, visualization tools, all kinds of fun stuff, um, that you can check out at patreon.com slash scouching. Uh, I've got merch. Uh, you can go to teespring. Uh, what is it? I forget the URL now teespring.com slash scouchware or something like that. Anyway, it's on my website. All the links are there. Uh, and you can check all that stuff out and, uh, See you. Hope to see people on Thursday nights. It's a. It's always a good time, and it's getting quite busy, full of Habs fans these days. <laughs>
And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, Locked on Canadians on YouTube. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow me at Scott Matla. When you're done checking us out, please check out Locked on NHL. Throughout the playoffs, all of our local experts have everything you need on all the games and everything else happening. Uh, We will see you all next time.